0: Hi, this is Cliff Kriego for the Picture-Poem, Circle in the Square, Field Notes uh, report. I thought I'd just check in. This is day 39 of a circumambulation, counterclockwise, of the whole wheel of the Wallawas of the Eagle Cap Wilderness. And this is the fifth time, consecutively, that i've uh, undertaken the, the uh, roundabout and the best way to imagine it if you haven't heard me talk about that before is that the Wagawas, the eagle caps at the center of the wallowas are like a wheel in northeast oregon right up against the present states of Washington and Idaho. And altogether they're about um, one-sixth the size of Holland or Switzerland, about seven or eight thousand square kilometers. So it's a major uh, chunk of land and even in contrast to Switzerland in the High Alps, this is extraordinarily complex uh, country. But one uh, very, um, in the spirit of simplicity, simple to complex and back, way of looking at it is uh, as a mandala. So it's really my uh, image of the universe of uh, creation, a wheel-turning of living energy. And it's very appropriately named the Eagle Cap Wilderness. I can't quite see it from where I'm sitting now. I've gone now in these past 39 days from working on the south side in the Eagle uh, drainage, where I'm based um, in the winter as well, where I have uh, the Little Picture Poems uh, office. You're welcome to visit any time. And that's actually in Eagle Valley. So that basically in our mandala wheel image of um, the Eagle Caps is one of the rivers that radiates out from the neutral hub of the wheel. And that's why it's so appropriately named, it's the Eagle Cap itself. Now I can't quite see Eagle Cap from where we're sitting We're at uh, about 2,500 meters on the north side in a drainage that's uh, very beautifully named Hurricane, and I'm on the west-east-facing side, so it's an east-facing cirque. another circle. Uh, a circle that's been carved by the Holocene uh, glacier ice. So the ice started uh, retreating here about uh, 20,000 to 10,000 years ago. And uh, it's probably been ice-free for uh, more than uh, 10,000 years, but don't quote me on that. But it's part of the Walawa Batholith, that solid, beautiful uh, Yosemite colored granite that, um, in poet's terms, was baked in the uh, crust of the earth eight kilometers down there and was by uh, the dynamism of the earth's crust itself thrust upward, and that forms the center part of our wheel, of our mandala. For those travelers or those Buddhists among uh, our listeners, I actually know people who have done the pilgrimage, Mount Kailash is the traditional uh, Buddhist, Tibetan Buddhist uh, pilgrimage. And uh, I think that's 80 kilometers and peaks out at, uh, gee, what is it, 5,000 meters, the highest pass you take. And some pilgrims will actually take a year or two doing that and genuflections all the way around. And not that we're taking that much time, or that is necessarily our style, although there's a good bit of a mountaineering hardship in doing this. We're doing it. Um, frequent listeners will know that uh, I refuse to use uh, hydrocarbons, if at all possible, in any way, even with the cooking stoves, if I can avoid it. And so it's all uh, people-powered more wheels, so it's done with uh, uh, what I call bike packing on a mountain bike with a wonderful uh, Bob uh, mountain trailer uh, that can pull uh, carry more than you can pull. So uh, the great danger of a Bob is that you tend to overfill it. At least I do, and so that carries all your mountaineering backpacking gear. In provisions as well. As much as if you stretch it like we're doing right now, very, very thin with provisions, as much as two weeks of provisions. So I'm encouraging, especially young people, a lot fitter than myself, uh, to give this a whirl, to keep with our wheel image, of simply uh, biking to the uh, uh, trailhead of wilderness uh, uh, backpacking expeditions. And uh, believe me, in terms of everything, not just your environmental footprint, I have to say it's extraordinarily quiet here right now. I should describe, I'm sitting in a cirque, so this lake is almost a perfect uh, water drop uh, roundness, water at rest wants to be round. There are a few um, introduced eastern brook trout, nibbling at an otherwise mere perfect uh, quiet surface. The lake is probably, um, oh... 200 uh, meters in diameter, and there's hardly a breath of wind. It's about nine o'clock, eight o'clock natural time in the morning. We got first direct sunlight at about uh, 5.30 natural time. There's not a soul in sight, and especially what is a little bit troubling is that uh, one of the projects that I'm working on, <clears throat> excuse me, doing this circumambulation, is of course my uh, white bark, ongoing white bark pine book project. And this is prime white bark pine, and it's magnificent. It's all on ancient glacier-carved uh, granite, and the complexity of this sculpted uh, labyrinthian landscape is just beyond compare. If you were silent, there could be hundreds of people just hiding <laughs> here, and. Uh, little uh, miniature glacier valleys cut through solid rock that uh, fill up with silt and some remain silica sandy and others become. There are even at, believe it or not, at this altitude, pocket gophers, how they got up here is uh, is a total mystery to me. And I'm actually seated on such a solid granite slab and it's uh, gray uh, salt and pepper white that's not uh, a very good way to describe it but it's just incredibly massive and beautiful in its form and that's right at water's edge looking out to the west so the sun's to my back And uh, right next to us is a, a beautiful Ledum glandulosum, Trapper's Tea. It's flowering. This is the 3rd of August. So it's flowering date, for those interested in the phenology, that's going to be very dependent on when the snow mounts. And this was a relatively, but only relatively, with black letters. Good snow year. It depends on what you're comparing it to and what is good uh, needs to be totally reseen. Rethought. Because this being a field note report, uh it's hotter in hell. And we have not had a drop of precipitation on this entire 39 circumambulation so far, not a drop. And so even the conservative, always very careful, and don't forget we're going so low up here, so you got to be careful. Um, Mountaineer Cliff, I I didn't even bring a tent to cut down and wait because I have a lot of photo equipment with me. And uh, just a long lens is two or three days of food. A tripod is two or three days of food. So, and it's a steep uh, trail coming up here. Kudos for the trail crew because it was just brushed out. I don't think I would have gotten up here without their assistance. They did an absolutely magnificent job. So it's a 600 meter about uh, climb coming up from the main trailhead. This is a spur trail, a branch trail that goes directly to the west off of the main Hurricane River through uh, spruce and uh, white fir, some Douglas fir, and then you get up quickly another 200 meters, and you're almost in a uh, lodgepole monoculture. And there's wind throw every season that uh, blacks up uh, just a little thread of a very steep uh, trail. As far as I know, traditionally, this lake has never been used by horsemen, But although it has been grazed in the past with sheep. There are signs of that, especially lower. So it's a fairly steep, uh, rugged trail, but they did a wonderful job of brushing it out. Just hundreds of lodgepole pine had to be cut, all cut by hand. We're an official wilderness, so no chainsaws for our European friends. No motorized uh, vehicles means they take that to the extreme, so no chainsaws, which is a good idea. That the crosscut saws are a real art form for uh, those who know them, keeping them razor sharp. And in fact, razors. Speaking of razors, when they uh, proposed the Wilderness Act, imagine that this is two thousand seventeen. And now the current metaphysical tendency is that all public, everything public, is basically bad, and everything private is good. So the idea of having protected public common ground, this land is your land, this land is my land, goes very much against, not the zeitgeist, the zeitgeist of the time. Can we say it that way? It's a little bit double. Not the zeitgeist, the current one. Because if you talk to people that you meet on journeys like this, I met, meet hundreds of wonderful people. And it's a very interesting mix. It's very different once I get back into the wilderness. Because, of course, that's selecting because of the uh, ruggedness and the austerity and fitness required and all the rest of it. But uh, once I'm out on the bike, I'm out. I'll go into the little towns and I'm back into Culture Circle. So that's one of our constant themes, the, from nature to culture's circle. But that zeitgeist still very much, not just admires, but is extremely pr- uh, proud of uh, North America's protection, of the crown jewels of its mountain wildernesses, and the eagle caps are certainly one of those. It's the largest wilderness in Oregon. But uh, those who have taken power almost around the world, although that can change overnight, who are with a single-minded, new style, in-your-face vengeance, corporatizing everything around us, well, what does that mean to these white bark pine? There are thousands of white bark pines here. And the reason why I was saying it was so ominously silent is that there are no nutcrackers here. And where we started out uh, 39 days ago, on the south side, they were there in very great uh, abundance, a whole uh, catch of them, flock of them, probably 15 mature and younger birds altogether. It's hard to count them, at least for me it is. And uh, that is, uh, there were, there's a direct relationship between their presence and the, um, uh, pine cone harvest. So those were old growth, average 300 400 year magnificent uh, uh, still fairly healthy, although there's a lot of blister rust and mountain pine beetle kill. Uh, but it's a uh, uh, pine cones, they're in the top of the trees. Let me summarize the, the, the white barks, once you will not encounter them, here in the Wallawas below 21, 2200 meters. And I'm not going to do feet conversion <laughs> anymore in the spirit of a uh, campaign to raise awareness against this appalling denial of uh, not just climate crisis, but science itself. We all need to get on the same page. That's an ethical imperative in my view the whole world one common measure so that we can communicate. And uh, taking water as your measure as a liter in a kilo is pure poetry and the very best of science. So we're up here at 2,500 meters. So you won't find them uh, below, well, let's just say uh, 21 now, that happens to be the where the shoulders of the Holocene glaciers uh, reach their maximum. That's a remarkable. Is that a coincidence? We don't know. They were growing here uh, during, I'm old, <laughs> but not quite that old, that uh, in the Holocene they would retreat just as we see them now. There's around this cirque, they're very, very sharp and rugged, jagged. Lots of good just uh, scrambling, mountaineering around here. you got to be careful with the rock. But uh, sharp edges. Now, during the glacier period, they would have retreated to these very sharp spurs uh, of rock as kind of island uh, refuges. So what they do is that they expand and contract their range, depending on ice and snow cover. But There are limits, natural limits. And that's what science is all about, natural limits, to discover these limits. Like, imagine discovering the relationship between altitude and the temperature at which water boils. That's how they first uh, started to get this sense of altitude and to measure it precisely. Imagine that. Well, 2100 is the limit. So that's, um, for frequent listeners, that's what we call a degree of climate, is 100 meters in round numbers, just as a rule of thumb. So if you're going up, you lose one degree Celsius C for every 100 meters with very dry air, which we have here. And with humid air, it's less. But um, with dry air, it's one degree C, and uh, so that w- just going down 50 meters from the 2100 mark, you will not find a single white bark pine, nor will you find cark's uh, nutcrackers, Colombiana nutifraga, and um, the pines have co-evolved with the nutcrankers. And there is a slight asymmetry in their mutual benefit uh, relationship. Let me say it before I uh, skip it to forget it, is that the, the, that relationship is the poster. It's not just the post textbook example of uh, a symbiotic mutual benefit relationship. If life is a movement, of relationship, which I think it is, then it's one of the more beautiful of those relationships. So the white barks are the only pines that have cones that do not open of themselves. So they're dependent on Critters, especially the necklace squirrels, go up there and get them too. And uh, if anyone ever sees a black bear <laughs> go up a white bark pine for the cones, I've never seen that. And grizzly bears are, independ- are in a complex web, more complex, dependent on the seeds as well, because they raid the caches. It's a kind of uh, bear robbery. But the nutcrackers are the primary distributors. And it's a story of stories. So the that magnificent egg oval form of the um, barks, all the other trees up here have a very narrow profile. And for the most part, they're the only spire firs. Right where I'm sitting, there are no lodgepole, pole, and we're way above Ponderosa Pine, Doug Free. See, they click out because of climate. So knowing exactly or relatively that altitude, if you want to study climate change, is crucial. That's why having that measure of meters is so extraordinarily, uh, not just helpful, but it gives one insight into relationships that otherwise will not in any way be revealed or become self evident. So the uh, white barks make this beautiful gesture with ba- their branches bending upwards as open arms and hands to the blue sky. And then the cones develop uh, opposite in twos and are the size of a closed fist when ripe and turn a beautiful dark uh, purplish brownish color. And they're all the way at the top of the tree. So I'm out here glassing them and I'm looking at the crowns of in various states of ill health all affected by uh, blister rust, cronantium ribicola, and non-native, invasive rust that uh, was introduced by accident evidently 100 years ago. And um, they have no cones, or very few. And I'm looking just very briefly with the naked eye at probably 50, 60 trees here. But I'm doing it very carefully as I go through this granite uh, labyrinth. And it is a labyrinth. You're going up and down, up and down. So uh, just uh, uh, to the north of me, there's a granite wall. You could be doing bring your friction shoes. You could be uh, bouldering up here. With any degree of difficulty, challenges, traverses, and whatnot. So there's a granite slab with uh, fissures and cracks. It's about three meters high, and then so you get around that, go above it, and uh, then you take a, a narrow V opening. Then comes the next one, and and then you're down again to the water level. So you're just up and down, and around, all over, all within sculpted glacier sculpted uh, granite. You can even see the gyration, the styrations, of the glacier polish on some of the rock that hasn't been so exposed to the weather. And one of the dominant plant groups on the ground is, of course, the heather. So I'm sitting uh, with a whole ensemble of heathers. And to think that there's no one up here Enjoying the beauty of the whole scene, it's quite remarkable. Even though there's a tourist town nearby with hundreds and hundreds of cars, it's very, um, it's very remarkable that they're so so close. Well, they they make that offering to the cones and then the uh, nutcrackers. Uh, you can hardly say peck because they have massive beaks, pound them open and collect the seeds. They have a special gullet pouch where they can carry, I've read, as many as a hundred seeds. And you see them, where I was coming from 39 days ago, I was watching them and, and trying. That's new for me, I'm not an avian photographer, but I'm working on it just for the and, uh But you see them, it's like uh, that's their inventory. And so they'll go from tree to tree, and they're very raucous, calling back and forth. And for ornithologists uh, out there, there is definitely, in my view, a highly complex, sophisticated uh, nutcracker language. They're not just calling back and forth saying, I'm here, I'm here, and you're there, you're there. And the reason that that goat doesn't get attention is because the ranks of musical, in the sense of uh, the great uh, Messiaen, the French composer, ornithologist, is probably now down to endangered species level. If you have a musical ear, then there are many more, to be formal, uh, parameters involved. So there's uh, frequency, there's duration, there's the, uh, 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 not the pitch frequency, but the rhythmic frequency of the tempo going back and forth. And then the combination just like uh, dot dash dot dash of long short. And so there's the possibility for infinite complexity. So if they can remember, I've read somewhere, don't quote me on this, 30,000 seed caches. Just say, I couldn't remember 10. But uh, if they uh, can remember that, what they do is that they collect them in their pouch, and then they, I was studying some of the holes today. And they'll make little caches. So they'll dig uh, little holes in the detritus and posit their uh, uh, seeds there, and then come back at a later date, sometime, and retrieve them. That's why every single. This is according to uh, Montana leading white bark pine regeneration and ecology expert uh, Robert Keen. Every every single white bark pine up here has been planted by a nutcracker. Think of that. Well, now that's why that silence is so eerie. Because um, many things in wilderness you're using, uh, we're a very eye dominant culture, right? Go down into that tourist town. And that's why you are totally desensitized to the violence of hydrocarbon man. Because if you're just using your eyes, you can't smell anything, you don't hear anything, you don't feel anything anymore, don't touch anything anymore, you just drive, drive, drive. You're just using, you're you're basically inside a computer TV set in a projected reality. But when you're, one of the joys of wilderness is that you get out of that prison. You have to get out of that prison. Maybe that's why there are so few young people up here. I mean, to sit this, this is every bit as beautiful as Yosemite Valley. And it's completely empty. There's no one here. And so the nutcrackers aren't here either. Now that's a very bad sign So they're not planting trees up here. And let me wind up this um, day 39. I should be doing more of these and then I can keep them shorter. Let me sum up, but um, that it has been way above, I can't give you numbers because I'm out here in the field, but uh, above climate average temperature. And one very troubling aspect is the breaking of the great freeze-thaw cycle. At this altitude, everything should freeze up in August. At the high, This is high summer, right? freeze up at night not quite the water although you should see frost and whatnot around the water's edge and whatnot because we're at such altitude and all summer long the fairly decent snowpack has been melting also at night you can hear it and especially in the morning when you get up it should be as hard as the granite I'm sitting on and it's soft. So it's not setting up, that's what alpinists call it, um, at night. Now that freeze-thaw cycle is a fundamental part of mountain life, not just habitats, not just environment. Everything is dependent on it. It's what's created a lot of these magnificent cracked, naturally fractured structure, of the granite around us. The ice expands, pop, and breaks open cracks and crevices, which become opportunities. Many of these, almost all of the white bark pines, are seeded. That's the miracle. Come and see it for yourself. White bark is a somewhat distorted name because they're really granite bark. Their color of their bark is identical with that of the uh, rock understructure so they'll take advantage of these little fissures and crevices that eventually fill up with detritus and leaves of small ericades like the um pink uh, mountain heather i'm sitting on right now it's just a wild flower paradise here right now so they fill and then evidently that's where the uh, Nutcrackers are cashing some of their money, the seeds, and they'll sprout up, and frequently you get what I call a cracker cluster. In the past, you would see six or seven trees sprout up from the same spot and eventually fuse at the base. It's a magnificent form. But they're all sitting on solid granite. Well, it's been hot up here and setting record temperatures and it's very difficult. I wish I had weather maps of the jet stream right now, but I have no idea what the jet stream is doing except the air is very stagnant and is now from somewhere filling with smoke. So it's a very eerie. It's not a beautiful blue. It's not good for photography. Everything is hazy. It can get, believe me, much worse than this. But um, everything it loses all its um, contrast in detail. And the colors are off. The evergreen looks, it looks sad. It has a dry, aged Looked uh, to it like it's lost its uh, vibrancy. And the last uh, thing I'll mention about this mandala and this living wheel of the Warawas in the Eagle Camp, and from that neutral wheel radiate out, radiate out like spokes of a spinning chariot wheel. Magnificent rivers, the Eagle, the Amnaha, we're now on the hurricane Walaua, Rostin, Minam, they're beautiful rivers in all directions of the compass and eventually meet up at the great muted snake river. So the mandala really is a universe that's alive. There is a pulsing energy here. And we don't have to go all the way to Kathmandu to find it. It's right in our backyard. Okay, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. This is Cliff. Check out the the new Mountain Water and Consciousness slide talk, what is that, it's about 600 photos. If you want to see some of the country we're talking about, that's at picture-poems.com slash water. And hit the little button lower right for full screen. And it uh, plays uh, at random so for those mathematicians out there, work how many work out how many possibilities there are with relational resonance between all the different images. It's new also for me every time. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. This is clip. Ciao for now.